0: Awesome. We're good. Cool. Thanks for coming on, Tom.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Paul.
0: Um, I wanted to get into your background a little bit, just to build a context around how you got into hemp. And I saw you came from a completely different background. You went to Princeton and worked at Goldman Sachs. I just wanted to talk a little bit about how you transitioned from that into the hemp industry.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a big switch. It wasn't like senior year. There was a hemp building tent at the career services fair that I walked up to. It's been a, a long and winding road, but one that I think has purposely set me on this course and, and delivered me to where I am. So, I graduated college. I uh, had a degree in public policy at the Woodrow Wilson School, which is like kind of a do-it-all problem-solving for the big solutions in government and in our society. And I took that into investment banking at Goldman Sachs. And I didn't really like everything about that job. I understood that it was challenging, and it was working with pretty competent, high-end business people, and there's definitely a lot to learn, but I felt like I wasn't really doing all the exciting things I could have been doing. And I saw going on around me. So I was much interested in much more interested in startups and software development. And so I went to San Francisco and taught myself coding and was building apps for a few short, uh short period of time before I was like, okay, well it's hard to just build something on your own. Maybe I should join something that's already got some traction. And I was at a, I met a friend of mine who was also uh, my year from college, and he was starting a children's computer company. Mm -hmm. And I had just taught myself how to code, and and this was using the Raspberry Pi 3 and teaching kids how to create breadboards and circuitry and all based on a Minecraft game that taught them basically how to overcome their fear of computers. Mm -hmm. And having just taught myself to code, I thought, wow, this is such an amazing product that I wish I had that when I was a kid, I could really see a future for this. So we were out in San Francisco selling to the schools out there, parents. I mean, Elon Musk bought our product. We had a lot of success going from really a Kickstarter product that had never shipped to, by the time I left, we'd raised $10 million in venture funding, and we had over 40,000 computers sold, and um, really a a high-end brand in the STEM education space. And... It was exciting to see that growth, and I came in as the first non-technical, so I was no longer doing coding, but in charge of marketing, sales, customer service, basically the do-it-all trade that you get at an early-stage company like that. Mm -hmm. And I felt like all the skills that I'd acquired had basically allowed me to be ready to start a new company and start a new endeavor, and that the company I was working for had basically reached a maturity phase where they didn't necessarily need people like me that were doing four different things they kind of needed more siloed employees and so it was time to set out on another adventure and right about at that same time in october of 2017 right, so it's coming up on two years now actually yeah i went to a tiny home building conference in ashland oregon up the the i-5 corridor and i went there because i wanted to build a tiny home in san francisco or or Close, close outside because I was like, this rent is just so incredible. I bet you for what I pay in a year's rent would almost be the building costs of a small home and then I could have equity in that house for in the future, which just seemed like the right thing to do. And one of the slides in this workshop about building tiny homes, and it was a you know, PowerPoint presentation slide. I thought we'd be in the field building, get our hands dirty using tools. We did none of that. We just <laughs> listened to a guy talk and show PowerPoint slides. But one slide mentioned hempcrete. And we were in Oregon, so everyone was already kind of tuned in to hearing about hemp building materials and sustainable building materials. And the guy just basically threw up the disclaimer saying, I don't know much about this material. My friend said it's a great material to work with on your own. It's extremely low impact and environmentally friendly, but that's all I have for you. And the audience would not let him continue. They just peppered him with questions. More and more people wanted to know about where they could get it, what it was used for if it was legal. And, um, he was like, listen, I don't know anything about this. And I remembered that I had a high school classmate, a good friend of mine who had started a company after college and had actually supported his Kickstarter called hempitecture. Mm-hmm. And I vividly had this memory of him holding up a hemp creep block on, on the Instagram page that I followed. And other friends of mine from high school were following and so I reached out to Maddie and I said, "Maddie, I'm interested in building a tiny home in Northern California. Do you think I could do it with hempcrete or, or do you think your company could help me do this? And he was like, yeah, I think this is something we could work on. And he was telling me that he was on a job site in Bellingham, Washington at the time, framing a house for what would be a hempcrete installation the next coming year. And so I was trying to figure out when we could schedule this building project together. And the more and more I researched about the legality around hemp, the carbon sequestration around hempcrete, and just kind of the problems in the built environment that existed as it was, I became convinced that there was a huge opportunity here and that basically the skill set that I had, which was corporate finance and growing early stage businesses, would be really well applied to connecting with Maddie, who had extreme experience in construction, um, sustainable building materials, and that we could kind of be a yin-yang for each other and, and, and potentially launch a business together. So it took a lot more conversations all through that winter of, and a lot more research on my own, and eventually I moved. I came out to Idaho for a visit, and we met in person you know, for the first time. We hadn't seen each other. Well, actually, Maddie came to San Francisco mm-hmm. to give a speech about one of the buildings he gave, and it was you know, hearing that speech that really convinced me. You know, Maddie is someone that people will want to work with and work for, And this is something that people will want to work on. And if we do this correctly, we could really um, have a huge impact, have a huge impact on the way buildings get made in the United States. So I went out to Idaho and said, "Okay, well, how would I feel about living out in Idaho and catchments way different than New York and San Francisco, the cities where I had been living? And I really fell in love with it and with the possible outdoor things to do with the, the small local town community. The idea of working on this business with Maddie, it it just appealed to me so much that I was like, all right, let's go all in. Um, Let's build this company together. But before we actually moved to Idaho, we had to go to Bellingham summer of 2018 and build a hempcrete house together. So we actually lived in a tiny home all summer long as we built a hempcrete house for Pamela Bosch. And this was the largest hempcrete project in the United States and um, still is to this day and it was a huge learning experience for me it was my first building project and of course first hempcrete project and i went from you know feeling like someone who knew their world so well investment banking is something you know my family's been in banking for a while and uh, in startups when i was the first person at a startup and then 20 other employees came in they always relied on me for answers i was in you know using tools i didn't know how to use terms i didn't know how to deal with and here I was founder of a company kind of feeling like an imposter that I had no background to really call myself this you know hemp creed and hemp building expert Mm -hmm. fast forward a year and a half and I feel like I've definitely paid my dues on a lot of hemp building sites I would say that there's actually probably no one in the United States who's been on more hemp building sites this year than me because not only have I done the ones through Hempitecture but I went out to Princeton University did one with their architectural program Trying to get um, hemp materials on their buildings campus because they're intrigued. I went out to Quebec, Canada, where they've kind of inherited the French hempcrete industry and participated on a project out there. And, you know, I've just had so many conversations with different people in the industry that I realized that hempcrete knowledge, there's no one person who's the almanac for all hempcrete knowledge. It's not something that's particularly difficult to really understand or get a grasp of. Um, It just takes, you know, the, the challenge is is getting this into you know the the mainstream consciousness of of building minds so that means architects developers um potential homeowners like they need to know about the options that that exist for materials inside their walls and that's where i feel like i'm going to apply my you know effort not so much you know coming up with new and better formulas of hempcrete or faster or smarter ways for designing hempcrete buildings but it's making sure that all the, the impediments to having this material adopted on a widespread scale are kind of removed. So I know I just gave a lot of background and where we are today, but that kind of all culminates in what's going to be happening this October for us. And it really is full circle considering that I learned about hempcrete or got reintroduced to hempcrete from an event, you know, a weekend workshop. We will be hosting a hemp building summit this October. That is going to be a really groundbreaking event for our industry because we're bringing over speakers from the United Kingdom, from France, from Canada, from Ireland, you know, these places where they've had uninterrupted hemp supply chains and have been building with hemp materials since the 80s. And we're going to really try and, you know, launch this in the United States with an event that has over 150 attendees, including lead APs. You know, hemp farmers, hemp processors, builders, developers, architects, people who are seed scientists, you know, all the different aspects of the supply chain, real estate salespeople will be there who who have heard about this possible material that can be used in our homes and are excited about it are going to be descending upon Sun Valley, Idaho for two days. One day of presentations where we're learning and networking and uh, discussing and then a day in the field where we're actually out visiting different hemp building projects. Um, seeing some of the equipment that we've used and invested in, put, you know, put to practice and um, just kind of elevating the stoke about this build material. Because I'm pretty sure when people leave, they're going to have that same feeling that I have when I re-encountered hempcrete at that workshop. It's like, wow, is this too good to be true? Or is this the solution that we've been waiting or, you know, part of the solution buildings have a lot of components, but the insulation materials, I think are um, something that's been kind of un under it's flown under the radar you know Like mm-hmm. when i think about the revolution that's going around uh, um plant-based products people are like wow they're kind of waking up oh my gosh i don't know if i want meat that's sourced from uh, a factory farm or inhumanely treated animals or something like that or you mm-hmm. know, basically animals that are producing tons of carbon during their lifespan maybe i can switch to something that's regenerative something that's carbon negative like plants I think that same awakening is going to happen with building materials. Oh, what am I putting in my walls? Is it sprayed foam that's a petrochemical product? Is it a fiberglass insulation product that until 2011 was named a known carcinogen? Or is it something that comes from plants, something that's carbon negative, something that is non-toxic, and something that is high-performing? I think it'll be a no-brainer once people kind of open their eyes to the options. I mean, we're born into a world where there's so many things. There's cars, there's planes, there's cell phones. But we don't know how half this stuff works. And I, I got that firsthand when I finally learned to code. I was like, wow, I've been using these apps for so long. I have thought about what, how they work, what goes in them, what's the, the, the language that the, that's happening behind the screen. And I had that same realization when I moved into buildings. Like, wow, I've been walking in and out of buildings my whole life. I didn't know how the wall was attached to the floor, much less do I ever think about the different type of insulation products that could be inside the wall. And, you know, I, I think that this whole green revolution that's thankfully come along, and I, I honestly think that hemp and cannabis has a role to play. I think a lot of people who are living in cities and have very little interaction with the natural world are kind of rediscovering the beauty of, you know, the gifts that have been bestowed on this planet for us and hemp and cannabis being one of them. Um, to kind of reach a level of consciousness and, and connection with nature that humans were probably intended to have and we've been divorced from since the Industrial Revolution. So I think it, it, it's all coming full circle and hempcrete was a great place to start. It's such a radical building material because it basically turns everything on its head where, okay, we're not going to have drywall and then a cavity and then insulation. We're going to have this mass of plant concrete basically that will be in charge of regulating the heating and cooling of our house. We won't have any forced air ventilation systems. You know, it's pretty radical, but I think that that's just one application. And sometimes it's best to enter a market with an extreme product that's going to be eye-catching like that. But you Mm -hmm. look at all the other different uses of the hemp plant. I mean, hemp is a technology that's being reintroduced to society. It's been out for 70 years. And now it's coming back. And the applications are going to be endless. And we look specifically at the applications for the building industry, but of course there are people doing plastics, additional uses, there are people doing textiles, and and we're so supportive of all those endeavors. But we look at, okay, well, we're using wood, but if hemp grows faster and creates more biomass per acre and sequesters more carbon, maybe we don't need to be deforesting our, our, our forests and can instead switch to something that we can domesticate and cultivate on an annual basis. And certainly it's better than using some type of rock-based um, resource because those are depleting and take you know millennia to regenerate. So it's um, it's okay. Where do we use it? And we kind of start with insulation. We've got hempcrete. We've got hemp fiber insulation, which is installed exactly like fiberglass insulation. It mm-hmm. makes uh, developers don't need to learn a new trait and building inspectors don't need to learn a new material to get comfortable around. It's just a an insulation material that's installed just like um, mineral wool or, or fiberglass insulation and, and performs just like um, materials they're very familiar with. And it's like, okay, what about hemp wood or hemp particle board and all these different, um, you know, to replace drywall or replace plywood. So mm-hmm. we're looking at all these new products that can be brought into our homes that are non-toxic, extremely low impact to the environment, and something that consumers hopefully will want.
0: Uh, what concerns do people usually have, or since you're in the industry or what kind of questions, uh, do people raise when it comes to building a, uh, hemp, um, house or just in general using hemp? The concerns? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It depends on who the customer is. Um, some people will just be concerned with how's this going to look inside my house. Some people Mm -hmm. are concerned with how is this going to affect my construction prices. Some people are concerned with is my building inspector going to allow this to happen so addressing all of those um you know the aesthetics of hempcrete are basically still in your hands it's not going to change how your house is going to look Mm -hmm. you have it you can you can basically have any type of finish you want there are some materials that are not compatible with hempcrete something like drywall or something that's vapor impermeable Mm -hmm. because hempcrete although airtight and not allowing air to pass through your house or at least slowing the movement of it, it does allow some vapor permeability, which is why it's a a great moisture buffer for your room because the hempcrete and the hemp shiv, which is the inner wooden core of the hemp plant, it's a very porous uh, structure. So it can actually absorb a high amount of water content from a room. If say the room had a lot of people in it, it was very active and a lot of heat was creating moisture inside the room. The wall can absorb that. It can either pass it to the outside or it can pass it back to the inside when the moisture's level drop on the inside. You know, wherever the di- wherever the difference in moisture is highest is where the moisture will travel. Um, mm-hmm. Cost is something that we do a lot of work around because we know that people won't want to pay too much more for insulation that they never really see. Mm-hmm. And they they'd rather just not. They'd rather invest in something that's probably more has more aesthetic influence on their house than something that's behind the scenes. But there is a performance benefit, so you can expect to reduce heating and cooling costs with a hempcrete wall, not only because it has a high insulation value, but it has thermal mass, eliminates thermal bridging, it's able to regulate that moisture, which does a lot to influence a, a room's comfort level. But usually, there is an upfront increased cost to hempcrete, could be 10 to 20%. Um, you may recoup, you probably will recoup a lot of those savings over the lifetime of the building just because it's it's extremely durable and extremely energy efficient. So it's going to reduce your heating and cooling loads. But the biggest influence on what that initial construction cost is, is how much labor you're using. Mm -hmm. They've been done in the past. They've been done very community Kumbaya style where it's hand mixing, everyone getting in a line, passing buckets down the line, turning the buckets over into the wall, and then packing them into the wall. Mm-hmm. and That's good, and that's you know, very reminiscent of natural building strategies when they were first put into practice by humans, but it leads to a lot of man hours and a huge labor bill at the end of the day. I think you know, our last hempcrete project, or the first one we did in Bellingham, was 80% labor, 20% materials, Jeez. and that was in materials that came from overseas. So even with the shipping of materials, which costs as much as the materials themselves, that was still a fifth of the construction costs, and 80% of it was labor. And myself, I mean, I was there working in a laboratory. I was only working for $15 an hour. So if you could imagine what normal construction labor gets rented out at between 50 and 70 those costs could be astronomically higher. So what we view our challenge as partially is how do we install these materials so that they're cost-competitive with the traditional materials on the market? And so we experimented with conveyors, Mm -hmm. high volume mixers, and now we even have a spray machine where you're actually spray applying hempcrete into the wall, similar to how um, cellulose insulation is sprayed in or spray foam is actually sprayed in. But you're having the the same environmentally friendly hempcrete material, but you're spraying it in a way that's going to reduce your labor costs by three or four times.
0: Um, when it comes to like, inspections and just from the local um, aspects, uh, how did you guys overcome like, the basic hurdles um, producing hemp and building with hemp? <clears throat> is there any safety codes that you guys had to do? Um, uh, or was there any, uh, I don't even know how to call it, certifications or anything? That's a good question. Um, I think the biggest
1: thing to communicate to building inspectors is this is non-structural insulation. It's not concrete made of hemp. It doesn't have to hold up any weight of your building. It does do some of that and it helps with the load, carrying the load of the structure and providing some increased shear strength, mm-hmm. but it, 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 doesn't have to pass any structural tests. It just needs mm-hmm. to have fire resistance, which hemp Creek performs extremely well, seeing as it's a lime based product. You know, it's hard to set rocks on fire and it needs to have some determined insulation value. So even though heating and cooling your house has a lot more to do, is influenced by a lot more than just the R value of the insulation materials you choose,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that is the only metric that we ask building insulation materials to pass. So it's kind of an oversimplified barometer of of how well an insulation material performs. Um, But you need documentation on that. And currently all the documentation exists in Europe or in other countries that have been doing this longer. And the mm-hmm. United States doesn't really have that domestic testing in place. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes we're going to build inspectors with overseas data and some are willing to work with that and some really aren't. So code compliance is something that is kind of in the way of adoption for hemp Crete. The hemp fiber insulation has effectively avoided this with getting the testing done and, and you know, showing the proof that is. Is there in the performance of the materials? So I, I think um, it's going to take time and investment from companies like ourselves. There is now a an organization called the U.S. Hemp Building Association, there's a five hundred one c six trade association, specifically oriented towards helping promote hemp building in the United States, and they're going to be tackling things like this, like material certification. Getting domestic material performance data so building inspectors can have confidence that you know it's going to perform like it's uh, intended to.
0: I want to talk about uh, some of the products that you guys have. I see you guys have hemp wool uh, the building grade hemp core, which is thirty three pounds. So I know you guys are having issues with shipping. Uh, heavyweight, and um, I wanted to ask you specifically: How did you guys get into equipment? Because I saw you guys uh, developed a, I do don't know if you guys developed the spray machine and the bucket mixer, and then also the conveyor belts. I just want to talk about those.
1: Yeah, so a lot of this is repurposed um, equipment that's used for other other things in construction.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the conveyors, you know, are just effective at moving hempcrete around a job site. And then we actually configured one to be able to directly deposit hempcrete into the wall cavity. So I oh, wow. put it on a on a on a ramp, basically that could be lowered and and heightened. You're able to go up right above the form board, turn the machine on, just pour all your hempcrete onto the conveyor, and then you can roll the conveyor around to basically deposit the hempcrete. Um, the the bucket mixer is a skid steer concrete bucket mixer and that attaches directly to like a bobcat or skid steer that's hydraulically powered and you're able to mix a lot more hempcrete a lot faster. So like seven cubic feet of hempcrete every one to two minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, that is expe- especially effective for moving the material around the job site because you're, you're attaching it to the forks and basically able to drive it around to whatever part of the building you're working on. Or if you're working on panels that are lying on the ground, you can just turn it over and dump it into the panels directly. But um, what it was really good was, for was feeding our spray ma- machine. So the spray machine is able to move a lot of hempcrete um, fairly fast. And so you need to have a fast mixing process behind that to make sure that it's you know, in, in constant use. And the spray machine uses a high-powered um, air compressor to actually suck premixed hempcrete through the tubes and then out the nozzle directly onto the wall, replacing the need to tamp it in because the force of the, the sprayer is so strong that it just, it, it compacts it while it's being projected onto the wall. Wow. Um, so we realized, you know, we're, we're, what we do is kind of complicated because yes, we'll, we'll sell you materials. If you want to build a hempcrete project and you're looking for a herd that is going to meet building grade specifications and you're looking for a binder that is high-performing and tested, we have those materials that we use for our own projects that we are happy to provide to other people trying to do their own projects. We will also show up and professionally install your hempcrete. If you want us to bring our machinery and, and do the job for you, we are happy to do that. We can teach you how to use hempcrete. We can either show you how to use our machinery, and you can order from us the same tools, or um, you know, we can come on site and have a workshop and, and teach you how to use build with hempcrete we even have workshops our own that we host so you come to us to learn we can do be consulting if you're working with your architect and you want to design a hempcrete wall in your house and you don't know exactly the specifications and how that works we we'll hop on the phone with your architect and the design team to make sure that all the considerations for a hempcrete wall are taken into account and I'm trying to think of what else what else do we do besides you know teaching, consulting,
0: um, I want to talk sure. about uh, um, the workshops that you guys run. Has there been yeah. usually there's always successful people that take it even a step further. Um, has there been anything interesting happening from there? Is it a turnaround? Maybe somebody just took it so much further and got gained a little bit of success and traction in him. Hmm. You're you're asking
1: if um, if anyone at, from our workshops has gone on to do other things.
0: Yeah, yeah, with him. Um, yeah,
1: I would say in some respects. I mean, the workshops I can think of are: we had one at our Bellingham project, we had one in New York at a Geneva project, and we had one this summer in Idaho. Mm-hmm. And the one this summer in Idaho was the first time we used the spray machine in the United States. so That was kind of a big deal, mm-hmm. and a lot of builders and contractors came to that specifically to learn about the equipment. Um, the one in Bellingham, we've had people. You know, I get the one guy Henry Viads who's been floating around the hemp industry for a while, um, in Texas. And he's part of the hemp industry association there. He's, you know, since then taken a huge interest in hemp creed and has built a tiny house in Austin, has attended the international hemp building symposiums. You know, he's, he's made it his prerogative to, to really be in attendance at all the different hemp building events that have gone on in the past two or three years. um, but I think it's still early. You know. I think a lot of people are, are just having these, these workshop experiences or just getting introduced to these materials and then figuring out how they can incorporate it into their lives, whether they join the industry or are looking to build something their own.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to get into like more specific aspect of hemp um, to just give you regular numbers. Um, so an average home here in Chicago, where I, at least I stay, would be about 2,000 square feet, about $300,000 to build. Um, I was wondering if somebody, like let's say a regular homeowner that's purchasing um, a three-bedroom suburban home around that price, uh, how much would it cost to incorporate hemp?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I would say it's always cheaper to use the fiber insulation at this point because it's Mm -hmm. such a less, so much less demand for labor and the material is already made. So you're looking at much cheaper cost if you just want to go the fiber insulation route. If you're trying to get all the passive house sustainable properties of a hempcrete wall, mm-hmm. um, it's usually we don't cost by square foot; we cost by cubic foot. And if for anyone's listening and they've got a building plan in front of them, they they can calculate their own cubic footage. And usually, you know, you're between ten to fifteen dollars per cubic foot of hempcrete. Mm-hmm. And why you do cubic feet is, you know, you take the depth of your wall, are you going six inches, eight inches or 12 inches? Mm -hmm. And then how much wall material is there? If you can imagine a one story house that was 10 by 10, okay, that's a hundred square feet. But say I threw in a second floor there at five feet. And so now it's, you know, we're all hunched over crawling around home, but now it's 200 square feet. I, I didn't change the cubic footage of the house the wall heights are still the same but just by adding a different floor um, you can double the square footage so price per square foot really doesn't correlate to our costs we Mm -hmm. need to know how much building material is going to go into that house and how much labor it will take and so once we know the building envelopes cubic footage that's how we can estimate a project Mm
0: -hmm. um i noticed one of the i forgot what is it the highland hemp house was it? The yeah, family? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a picture or photos on your Instagram, and it looked uh, completely fascinating. I want to talk about how long did that take uh, to build, and uh, what were some of the challenges uh, around it?
1: Yeah, that project took six weeks um, to do the hempcrete portion. Mm-hmm. It was six to eight weeks, including some prep and take downtime. And the challenges were, you know, we were new to this material. Mm-hmm. Um, we were using a gas powered mixer that wasn't able to pump out a ton of hempcrete, and we were packing it all in by hand. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was slow moving or slower than the processes we have now in place. And, but it, it wasn't too much of a challenge aside from that. There weren't, you know, we had a lot of volunteer help coming through the project. People were very excited to have this building happening in Bellingham, which is a pretty progressive and
0: forward-thinking town. Mm -hmm. Um, I looked on your website, too. I never see this a lot. I told you in the beginning of the podcast. Um, It says you guys are using technology and systems thinking to make hemp create installation less labor-intensive and Um, Mm time-consuming. Can you talk about your approach? Uh, What makes it unique and get into the systems thinking?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So by systems, I think what we're talking about is going from not only are how the materials arranged on site before they even get mixed, Mm -hmm. it's basically efficiency. Yeah. Basically, how do we operate from the mixing to the transportation to the forming to the packing in the Mm -hmm. most efficient manner possible? And whether that's using a spray machine and moving the hempcrete around through tubes, whether it's using conveyors, whether it's using, you know, larger size mixers that are mobile and portable. Um, It's basically seen the project, taking a step back and being like, okay, we're gonna be installing hempcrete here for the next 10 to 12 days. How do we make this as most efficient and seamless process as possible? I think, you know, where hempcrete started, it was kind of people mixing on a tarp with their hands, and you know very low tech and and we don't think that that's going to have a place in the construction industry at large so to be able to tackle the the projects that hempcrete really deserves to be a part of and and put it and give it the spotlight and attention that it deserves um we think we really need to take a very professional very engineering you know mechanical look at how we're how we're moving around the job site and actually working with this material to get inside the wall so for on the Bellingham project, the system was mix the hempcrete, one person devoted to mixing. You know, when the hempcrete's mixed, open it up, put it in a bucket, attach, we attach these blocks to the bucket so they could ride the conveyor up to the second floor,
0: mm-hmm.
1: turn the bucket over onto our second conveyor. That conveyor ramps uh, the hempcrete in, directly into the wall and then have someone on scaffolding watching that hemp creek come off the conveyor into the wall with a tamping tool you know an elongated stretchable tamping tool to just start packing it in immediately as soon as it gets there and that's how you get you know the cubic feet per hour is the key the key
0: metric that is going to influence a lot of your building's cost um can we get into uh, the prefabricated buildings um, since I'm from Europe and I've been following that it's kind of getting into the trend of getting, uh, I guess your home uh, prefabricated um, how different in, I guess I think you mentioned something earlier that the strength really is not different from just regular. If I decided to build, or if I had decided to order and for you guys that don't know prefabricated, basically they bring in a, uh, your piece of home already kind of done the wall with windows uh, placed in. It depends, it depends on the process, but um, how different is pref- prefabricated hemp versus just regular construction?
1: Um, different, and you are probably preferred because when you're working with hempcrete, you do need mm-hmm. to wait for the material to dry. It's mixed mm-hmm. with water, so you could be on the building site when you mix it fresh quite a long time before it's actually ready to get plastered. Mm-hmm. If plaster is the finish that you're going for, um, we actually right now, and I'll be going to this job site later today are working on a panelized project. We built the panels on a separate location, mm-hmm. so they're technically prefabricated. And then we brought the panels to the job site cause it's, you know, in a remote location and we stand up the panels and it makes for making the wall much faster. Yeah. Yeah, so, it, you know, it speeds things up, but you need to have a great understanding of what that design of the building is and some of these very large projects out there, you know, making panels that ahead of time um, you could get caught, not able to react to different changes of the, the building site while the job's under construction. But I think the other opportunity is for Pre-made hempcrete insulation blocks, and this, these are products that have existed in Europe, coming out of factories, is you know insulation blocks that are shaped to a certain depth, standard size, and they're left drying for a couple months before they ever get shipped out to a customer, and then they're just stacked atop one another once you get to the building site, and I think that's a way that you could potentially greatly increase this, the uh, speed of a hempcrete project. But you do need to keep in mind that that's going to require a mature supply chain of hemp locally mm-hmm. grown in the United States. It's going to require a facility to process this, actually turn it into, mix it with the lime, and turn it into blocks. And then it's going to require a um, a market that knows about this material and is ready to supply the demand for an amount that's going to justify building and investing in a production facility. Mm-hmm. But that is where we have our eyes set on the goal. You know, we want to use local materials to supply local building projects. And we think, you know, production facility that's aggregating farmer supply of hemp and turning it into high value building products,
0: you know, is something that should exist in the United States. Definitely. Um, What do you spend most of your time on? And uh, I know that you guys are doing a lot. You guys have the workshops, you guys have products. Um, What is, if you had to... Talk about a little bit about architecture. What are you guys are working on the most and what are you guys trying to push the most?
1: That's a good question. Um, you know, what we work on, you know, there's days where we're working on a job site for six hours so we can build structures. I mean, we had to literally build this industry so that people could see standing examples of homes built with our materials to eventually be able to trust them, you know. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a very hands on, laborious process. When we're in front of our computers, you know we're thinking about how can we create relationships and have products on our website and offerings that are going to really meet the current market demands so this recent hemp wool product offering is very new to us. We have an exclusive u s um, distribution agreement with a Canadian manufacturer, and that allows us to contact different green building stores contact different architects contact different developers and say hey i know you're going to be ordering x amount of quantity of fiberglass insulation you're probably looking for a non-toxic greener alternative um let me introduce you to this product and so now it's like more of a sales and education role rather than going on site and building but they can see the brand that we have in the background And, and that's actually a huge part of it too is you know, Maddie handles all of our social media, and every day there's posts about our company, about what we're doing, um, about our products. So people can see that this is a, a thing with energy and momentum that's actively growing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about who should visit the um, the uh, building expo? It's safe to call it expo, right? Uh, the summit.
1: The Hemp building summit. Summit.
0: summit summit, um, in October, uh, who should be there uh, and why? Yeah.
1: So I get emails every day from people saying, I'm tired of my desk job. I want to come work in this industry. I want to make a difference. You know, I want to learn about this. And for them, I'm so happy that they're emailing me now before the summit rather than after because I'm saying, come to, if you've got an interest in this event, if you're, if you're somehow working in the building industry, if you are interested in growing hemp, and seeing all the uses and end market um, applications of hemp products. Then come to this summit. You'll meet people to network with from your region. We've got people coming from all over the United States. You're going to learn a lot about the existing industry as it currently stands. And you're going to take something away as, as to whether this is a op- business opportunity that you feel like you should be a part of, or it's something that you just want to support from afar. Um, it, it's going to be... A really special time, I think, bringing together a lot of people from different parts of the hemp world and then a lot of people who are in the green building world and having them intersect and seeing how they'll be able to meet with each other. I mean, it's an event that's going to have a lot of education going on, but there's definitely a lot of networking time. We've got Hemper Beer sponsored by New Belgium that will be flowing. Uh, you know, Anyone that's ever been intrigued and, and done a hempcrete search online is going to come across a few different books the three most popular books written in the English language are going to be the authors of those books are at our summit and they'll be speaking. So, you know, you, you, save your time, you save yourself a lot of research time by, by hopping up to the summit, and checking it out.
0: Um, we talked about it in the beginning, uh, of getting over that imposter syndrome. And, uh, when I switched, I told you when I switched over from, um, just regular design agencies to the hemp and cannabis industry, uh, I've, I mean, I face that almost every single day, just speaking to you right now, learning a lot, speaking with previous podcast, uh, guests, um, how do you overcome the imposter syndrome or what steps did you take, uh, being new to the industry and it's just kind of evolving as we go every single day and any steps or any, uh, tips that you have?
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's exactly what you said. It's real realizing that there's no one source for knowledge on this planet that we're all in a process we all started with zero knowledge we're all growing towards getting more never trying to give an answer to a question that you don't know the answer to just because you don't want to seem like you're not smart mm-hmm. and um and that and that takes a big step because how could i be the founder of, of a hemp architecture company and not know the answer to a basic question well you know you, you just need to have the maturity and and, and be able to deliver the customer service to say, okay, I'll go get you that answer when I know it. And, um, it takes time appreciating that it does take time. And, and these things are a process within, uh, within each person's journey and that you're not an imposter. You're just at an earlier stage of, of growth and that's completely okay.
0: Do you see do you see any resemblance between the dot com boom that happened? And now it's kind of like the similar thing happening in the hemp industry. Um,
1: Hmm. I don't know. I I mean, I know that there's a lot of people that think that hemp products aren't better products. It's just hype. And they're Mm -hmm. just benefiting from the marketing that's kind of happening, coinciding with the legalization of recreational marijuana. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's true. I mean, we talk about hemp-based building products, but I'd love to talk about plant-based building products. It doesn't just need to be hemp. Hemp's a great plant because it can grow almost anywhere. It sequesters a ton of carbon and grows really fast but we don't need to just be focusing on one plant. Um, And, you know, we actually, Maddie went to, to go testify in Idaho because hemp is not legal in Idaho. It's one of the few states that has not adopted the federal Farm Bill standards and testified to the different uses of this plant and how it could benefit our state's local economy. And one of the state senators came back and said, you know, I believe this is all hype. I believe these hemp seeds in supermarkets, this CBD stuff, has no real value, and people are just on to the next thing, like fish oil. And, um, and that's a view, and I think it'll, it'll come out in time. But I, I do think plants are technology, and people can use them for all sorts of different uses, just like the Internet came about and was technology. And there's going to be a lot of very valuable applications of this technology that enter our society. I have no doubt that that will happen. Um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of fraudsters too, because whenever there's a potential for high value creation, there's usually charlatans trying to imitate that value of creation. <laughs> so it's right. just about ferreting
0: out who's for real and who's not. Um, before we go, I wanted to get a little of something from you. Um, if you could I have like words of wisdom for the hemp industry and cannabis industry.
1: Hmm. Don't smoke too much pot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think business and pleasure are uh, are two very different things. And marijuana has its great impacts for you know, broadening your mind, um, you know, thinking creatively and 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 being cooperative and collaborative. But I also think it can kind of dull your your keenness on staying alert, staying on top of things. And you know, that was something I had to certainly regulate within myself. It's like, okay, well, how do I be, you know, the founder and director of a, a very young company that needs my full attention and still enjoy the relaxation effects of, of marijuana. Well it's like, okay, you dial it back and you only do it on the weekends when you feel like you're in a safe place. You don't go to your business meetings high because people are going to assume that you're a, a potster or a hempster. And so if you if you reek of marijuana you're not really doing the industry any service you're just kind of fulfilling people's expectations so i don't want to say there's a stigma around using marijuana but certainly in the professional world there kind of is so you know don't ruin it for all of us who are working in this industry by you know kind of playing into that false narrative of
0: people who work in hemp are always um potsters (laughs) awesome tommy thank you very much um where can uh the viewers find you and uh talk a little bit about again rephrase the uh summit that's happening in october at the end of the month i mean um
1: yeah people can find out information about the summit at the www.hempbuildingsummit.com you can check out the facebook page hemp building summit the instagram page hemp building summit There'll be plenty of explanation about what's going to be going on over those two days, October 24th, October 25th. Uh, You can contact me, tommy at hempitecture.com. I check my email a lot. I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. This is my full-time baby. So if you've got questions, um, we want to get you answers, and we want to get you the right information. And we want to see as many hemp-building projects happen in the United States as possible. We understand we won't be building them all. We don't want to build them all. We just want to help them get built. So our doors are open. Awesome, man.